fun. And just wanted to, you know, it's for everybody. So from the youngest to the oldest, we're just going to go. And uh, we'll actually vote on a tree when we get there. So we'll pick two or three, and we'll vote on them and see what happens. I just don't like the prickly kind. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like the, <laughs> the soft kind. But, you know, we'll vote on one. It'll be really fun. Hot chocolate, the whole nine yards. It'll be great. So I want to just encourage you to come. And, and uh, one of the things we like to do around here is family, right? We like to be the family. And uh, so this will be fun. As a family, we'll go out and do that. Uh, last week, we started uh, talking about get, uh, getting unstuck. And we started talking a little bit about how it's so easy to go through life and be stuck, right? How many of you are either in a place now of being stuck or you're in a place of uh, remembering a time when you were stuck? Just go ahead and raise your hand. All right. So obviously we're all, we're all uh, uh, either there or have been there. And there's so many different areas, right? Like, like in our personal life, sometimes we get stuck. Uh, maybe you feel like you're, you've gained a few pounds and you just can't seem to lose them. Or maybe you, you need to gain weight. Is there anybody in the world like that? <laughs> okay. Just bless your skinny friends and move on. That's all I'm saying. But sometimes we can get stuck in our finances, you know, and there's just not enough uh, at the, uh, money at the end of the month and those kind of things. Maybe marriage or relationships job, even revival and spiritual matters. And the thing that God has been impressing on my heart so much is this idea that, that that's not his plan for your life. Now, this is a big thing because if we say we have a loving father, you know, like as a father, some of you men out there, fathers or mothers or even grandparents, you know, like when you see someone you love being stuck or like spinning their wheels and not being able to get any traction and move forward, or maybe you see them maybe have fallen back from where they had been, you know, that just breaks your heart, doesn't it? And you find yourself wanting to do everything in your power to get them out of that place and into a place of vibrancy and joy and passion and all these things and health, right? And so I always think, you know, on the smallest level, if we feel that way, how much more does our Heavenly Father feel that way about us? I want to tell you today that one of the biggest lies, we're going to look at lies today a little bit. One of the biggest lies that the enemy's ever going to tell you is that you're not loved. And that you're not good enough. Or somehow there's, there's other people that God wants to bless more than you. And how many of you know when you start believing a lie... It begins just slowly to put a veil over yourself, and you can't see things as they really are. So one of the things we're going to talk about today, and actually we're going to do the next couple of weeks here, is helping people get unstuck, getting unstuck and moving on to the vision and the passion that God has for them, right? And so last week we looked briefly at how being stuck is dangerous. You know, it really is so dangerous, because what happens when we get stuck is we begin to see life through the eyes of the enemy— the devil, instead of through God's eyes. And what was before, perhaps, for some people, like, you know, passion and love and power, now becomes excuses and reasons and, and inadequacies and all these negative things. And I, I'll try to preach both ways, because I was all positive on your side, and then I was all negative on your side. But <laughs> I'm actually, you know, I want good for both of you. <laughs> so if I start pointing at you, don't, I'm not pointing at you, okay? I just think there's such a divide between the two. 
between the life God really envisions for us, and sorry, the life God envisions for us, and then the lies that the enemy wants to keep us. Because many of you know, and you've heard this verse, Jesus said that the enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the ways, I would say one of his primary ways he, do, he does that is to get you to be, believe lies that get you stuck in life. And can I tell you, being in the, the ministry for a, many, many years, one of the saddest things for me is to watch someone get stuck and stay stuck for weeks and months and years. And I will tell you this. Unless you do something proactive to get unstuck, chances are good you're going to stay stuck. And so over these next few weeks, I want to challenge you with this. God is all for you, and he's trying to get you unstuck and moving on to new revelation and new places in him, but he's not going to drag you kicking and screaming. (laughs) We have to partner with God. We have to line up and I've been speaking to some people this week about alignment and how important it is that we have to be in alignment. Even after the service last week, I was talking to someone, and I don't know how we got talking about trains. Did you ever do trains when you were a kid, those electric trains? You know what I'm talking about? And I think they're better now, but when, but when I was younger, and even when, when my kids were younger, we bought a train set. And here's the thing. You can lay out all the track you want, but unless they're aligned and perfectly put together— how much train is moving? None. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the, electricity, the electricity comes when you get into alignment with the power. Amen? And so it's really important that we get our lives in alignment with God's power. Otherwise, we just sit there like a dead train on the track and we never go anywhere. How many of you want to get your train moving? <laughs> Amen? Walter, you with me, buddy? <laughs> right? We want to get our train moving. We want to get this thing lined up with what God is doing. And so... That's why I think it's so important, and I feel like God has really put us here. And, and I just want to say one more thing before we get, really get going this morning, and that is this. Because we've all been stuck before, I, I want to make sure that you know wherever area you're stuck in, there's grace. And it's not just grace from God. It's grace from your brothers and sisters in the family. Like, there's nobody here who gets to go, well, I've never been stuck before. Well, I think you're stuck right now in a lie. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? So I just want to make sure that when we pray for each other, when we, when we come around each other, like, it's, it's as brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers who are filled with grace knowing that, hey, I understand where you've been because I've been there in one area of my life. And what do we want to do? How many of you would honestly say with all your heart, We want everybody here to be full and unstuck and moving in the right direction. Amen? We want everybody here, train tracks, to come into alignment so the electricity is flowing and whoop, whoop, that train gets moving, right? And so I just wanted you to know that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, right? And we're in Christ Jesus, so that means we get to have grace and mercy and love and help for each other. Amen? Are you with me? All right. So last week we started talking about how dangerous... Actually, let's pray. Lord, I love you today. I thank you so much that your heart's desire is for us to be healthy and powerful and, and, and moving forward. You talk about glory upon glory upon glory. Father, it is your desire and your will for us to be experiencing you in fresh ways. 
Lord, in this progressive revelation, Lord, not only of you, but in these individual areas of our lives. Lord, I pray for those that are stuck in relationships right now, that it's, 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 it's difficult season. Lord, for fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers and husbands and wives, Father. I pray, God, over finances right now, Lord, that those areas of our lives that are stuck, God, I pray that you would bring us revelation in, in things we can do to line up and partner with you. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for those areas of, of spiritual uh, arenas, God, in our lives that are what used to bring passion now is, is dry. God, I pray this morning that you would begin to help us get unstuck in every single area, Father, of our lives. And bring us into areas of health and power and goodness. If that's your prayer with me, just say amen this morning. Amen. amen. So, Lord, we love you. Hallelujah. All right. So we talked about last week, being stuck is dangerous because it, 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 it distorts our thinking, doesn't it? It distorts our vision. And we begin to, to believe lies, right? And it's, it's, it's so powerfully negative that even in Scripture we find several characters who really got a wheel off track. When David got stuck and he didn't go do his job as king to go to war, he got stuck. And then what happened? He ends up committing adultery and murder, and the whole kingdom kind of shifted over and was in turmoil for a while, right? All because one guy got stuck. And, I, and again, we talked a little bit about this, but let me just reiterate, getting stuck yourself isn't just a personal thing. When you get stuck, people around you get stuck. And when you get stuck, it turns into poison, and poison can spread, and it becomes a negative for all these people around you. And so we began to look last week at the story of Elijah. And Elijah, if you, if you look in 1 Kings chapter 18, you'll see that he's been a, well, up to 18 as well. He's been a great prophet of God. Powerful, powerful things. I mean, miraculous provision and all this kind of stuff. And then he gets to Mount Carmel, and it's him as the man of God versus all the, all the, uh, the, the prophets of Baal and all of, the, all of the enemy's forces arrayed against him. And again, a huge spiritual victory. He's able to show the people the power of God by, by fire coming down. And then, and then they're able to slay all the prophets of Baal. And they try to get idol worship. And they're on their way of getting idol worship out of the land. I mean, it's, it's, an, amazing, it's an amazing chapter. You should go back and read it. We get to verse chapter 19. And again, there's, a, there's a, an evil king named Ahab, who's the king of Israel. And then you have his queen Jezebel. And of course, most people understand that Jezebel is a very negative start, you know, with her, and she was vile. I mean, just completely used of the devil to bring horrible things to the nation of Israel. And it says in chapter 19, 1 Kings 19, verse 1, it says, Now Ahab, the evil king, told Jezebel, his cruel and awful wife, the queen, everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Verse 2. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. And again, last week we looked a little bit at this idea of a lie and how a lie can take root in our minds. Have you ever found that to be true? Just one lie can get in and take root, and it begins to then what? Does a lie ever just stay there? See, it's almost like cancer. Cancer gets into you. It's why it's so important that we renew our minds 
in Christ Jesus. The Bible talks about this many places and how being in the presence of the Lord and allowing his truth to permeate ourselves. Why? Because if you're like me, I get inundated with lies into my head all the time. And what I do with them is then up to me, all right? So we see this prophet Elijah, he gets confronted with a lie from the evil queen. And the lie is this, hey, you may have had a little success here yesterday, but I'm actually in power, and I'm going to kill you. Now, again, it's, if you look at it just on the merit of it, it's a, it's a pretty weak lie. Like, my God, Elijah should be saying, just poured fire out of heaven on all your stuff, and all your prophets got their heads taken off. Like, he should be like, whoa, you know, like, he should be like, yeah, my God, you know. But the lie comes into his head, and he has a choice. He either gets to go, my God, right? Or he gets to go, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, (laughs) she's going to kill me. (laughs) And he does that. He believes the lie. Sometimes I wish I could go back in the Bible and just slap people. Don't you think? <laughs> and then they probably wish they could be here and slap us too. I know. But, <laughs> but I just wanted to go, oh, Elijah, come on, dude. You're this man of God. Just, just powerful miracles and all this stuff happening. And then she shoots you one little message, a text, a little email. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but every once in a while I'll get a text or an email and it's vile. Right? It's happened to me not too long ago. And I, I remember getting this thing. I've actually got a bunch of them because, you know, <laughs> when you're the lead pastor, <laughs> uh, you know, big old target, whatever, that whole thing. But uh, I'm fine because here's my thing. I have to choose on a regular basis, the same as you, whether I'm going to believe a lie or the truth. Was afraid and ran for his life. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Again, not a good move. Do we need to be lonely when we're struggling with things, or do we need to have people around us? Right? While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. You see, when we begin to believe something, we act on it. Either good or not good. Did you hear the lie that that got into his head? She says, I'm going to kill you. But he doesn't, like, he's like, God, you kill me. (laughs) So he's he's thinking death, but he he doesn't say that she's going to kill him. He says, God, you kill me because what? I'm no better than my ancestors. Well, I don't know. If you go back and read the other chapters in 1 Kings, Elijah is a lot better than his ancestors. I mean, you read him, he's standing up for God, and he's powerful, and God's flowing, man, and he's getting words, and it's just, it's amazing. And you read those chapters, and you go, wait a minute. You are, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is, can you say it with me? I think it's up there, right? No truth in him. Can we say that again? No truth in him. When he lies, 
he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You see, in our, in our spiritual lives, much like Kathy just said, she's got this little baby, and the little baby has to grow up, right? I was talking to Tapio. He's got a granddaughter who's learning how to crawl, and now she's starting to learn how to stand up. You see, spiritually speaking, it's the same for us. There has to be a time in our life where we begin to go, okay, I'm not going to believe the lies anymore. I don't, some of you remember David Nichols. Remember David Nichols? I love, there's this one thing he says. He's talking about what voices we hear or things that we begin to, you know, hear in our heads. He said, every voice that you hear in your head comes from one of three places. It's either from God, it's either from the devil, or it's your flesh. Okay? Now, sometimes it's the flesh, you know, we're just, we're just, you know. But I think the flesh and the devil kind of go together quite a bit because a lot of times when our flesh is talking, the devil's going, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, you know, <laughs> right? But other times it's, it's either God, the devil, or my flesh. We've got to figure out as we grow up, what thought is this? And one of the ways we can do that really easy, if you're taking notes, this is a great one. You just say, does that sound like Jesus? Does that sound like the Father? I mean, folks, come on. It's time to get our little baby legs going and grab the table and stand up and say, listen, this thought in my head, it's either just my flesh, it's the devil, or it's God. What does it sound like? If it's condemning, if it's, oh, you're this, you're going to be sick the rest of your life, oh, you're going to be, oh, you're never, that doesn't sound like Jesus. You don't believe me? Go read the Gospels. Jesus doesn't put anybody down except confront the religious spirit of the Pharisees, right? And he speaks pretty harshly to the demons, too. Shut up and get out of here, right? I don't know about you, but we should probably take our cue from that, right? You get that demonic lie in your head, shut up and get out of here. Are you with me? Then let's say amen, (laughs) all right? There has to come a time where we grow up and say, listen, I'm not going to stay in the same place anymore. I've got to distinguish what voice this is, and I have to begin to act on it. If not, we have the story of Elijah, and it goes from bad to worse, okay? I just need to say this one more thing. Sometimes the devil... Hello, hello. There we go. Every time that happens, I want to say, I've got the power. (laughs) All right. (laughs) What do you say? Stick to your day job, buddy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Wow, I really got the power now. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Can I tell you that oftentimes when God begins to speak to us, he says, get up. Get up. Quit laying around. Quit doing Netflix, whatever. Get up. 
Get up. Get off of your computer. Quit sticking your phone in the iPhone, Shannon, and just get up. I just get to get her phone. <laughs> it's your Bible app, right? At a girl, at a girl. <laughs> All at once, an angel touches him, and I, I, I don't know that the angel went down. Listen, come on, Elijah, would you get to please? <laughs> I got a feeling the angel went pow and give him a little smack on the side of the head. Hey, get up, right? Like I think we're too soft on God is too soft. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes the angel comes, touched him. I'm looking up in the Hebrew. It says, there it is. Smack him upside the head. He touched him and said, get up and eat. Verse 6, he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He gets breakfast in bed right there. Supernatural, man. He ate and drank and got up in the power of God. No, it says he laid back down again. (laughs) Oh, man, Elijah, come on. An angel shows up. You see the angel. God provides hot food for you and water. What do you see here? You see a loving father saying, listen, bud, we got more work to do. We got a lot of things I want to accomplish with you in partnership with you. And he's saying, I just sense God saying, listen, it's time to get up and get going. Okay, you've had a little thing, and okay, and you believe the lie. Delete the text, delete the email, and let's go on, right? Let's get this thing moving in the right direction again, right? (laughs) He looks around a supernatural thing and lays back down again. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him. What did he do? (laughs) I think he smacked him a little harder this time. Get up and eat. For the journey is too much for you. In other words, God has a plan to send Elijah to go do some more stuff and says, listen, let's get this thing going. I want to get you some food in you. I want to get some good thinking in your head. It's time to get moving in the right direction. I just love the supernatural provision and visitation. It just speaks to a strong, loving care of the Father. And can I tell you, no matter where you're stuck, the Father is there. And he wants to provide for you a way out. Doesn't that kind of remind you? I don't remember the joke straight offhand, but it's the guy stuck on his roof and there's a flood. And the, the boat comes by. He says, no, no, I, I'm praying God's going to provide for me. And the boat goes by. And then the other one comes by. No, no, God's going to provide. He's praying, oh, God. And then finally a helicopter comes. No, no, God's going to provide me safety off this roof. And he's like, he keeps praying. And what does God say? Listen, stop praying. I sent you three different things to save you off the roof, right? And I feel like sometimes with us and God, is like God's, you know, if we would look around, we're going to see God's supernatural provision. And he's saying, hey, listen. I sent this person to you. Hey, listen, I sent this, this email to you to encourage you as a prophetic word or, or maybe it was on a Sunday or whatever. But I can, I, it grieves my heart as a, as a pastor and as, a, as your leader when I see people come in and get truth and walk out with a lie. And they keep living the lie and they keep believing the lie and then the people around them begin to get damaged and everything is just... Oh, my word, it's just horrible. And, and God is saying, listen, here's some food. Here's some provision. Get up and get moving. I got things for you to do. He says the journey is too much for you. Verse 8. So he got up and ate and drank. Hallelujah. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And I'm thinking at this point, I'm reading the story, we're going, all right. Get up, get moving. He's, he's following God. 
But how many of you know this? Stuckness is sticky. How many of you know that being stuck sometimes takes more than just one day? Like at the end of the time today, we're going to do the we're going to do the oil tunnel again. We're going to pray for people to get unstuck. I think we're going to do this for several weeks actually. Why? Because I'm pretty sure one week doesn't totally get us unstuck. Sometimes we've taken a while to get stuck. It takes a little while to get unstuck. And I think oftentimes the journey is more important than the destination. Like the idea of trusting God faithfully as we walk through this thing and seeing him for who he is actually builds his character in our character. You say amen? Like there's an idea here that that God wants to make us healthy and strong. And so he gives us enough to get up and get moving. He gives us bread. He gives us water. He says get up and get moving. I don't know if this is in there or not, but how many of you are carnivores? <laughs> well, my people. <laughs> I love meat, man. I just love meat. And I don't want to talk about any of that other stuff right now, but I just want to say this. I don't know if Elijah liked meat or not either, but God didn't give him a Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> he gave him enough to get up and get going. You see, I think sometimes God's Desire for us to get unstuck means not giving us too much at the beginning, but allows us to have enough to get up and get moving. Right? And so I think there's a times in our life where God wants to just bless us and just knock everything into us. I think that's great. But <laughs> blessing is weighty. And if we're not strong enough, the weight of his blessing will actually crush us. I think God loves us too much to crush us with all of his blessing. What he really wants to do is make us strong enough on this journey that we begin to develop muscles. So when he does bless us, boom, two strong legs and arms to support what he's doing. And so you may be sitting there going, well, God didn't give me everything he's given that person. No, he didn't. But he's giving you enough to get up, eat, and get onto the journey to the things he wants you to do. And I feel like in, in many of our lives, you're questioning God's provision because you're not getting a ton right now. But maybe God's just giving you enough to get up and get moving. Amen? And that's all I'm going to say about that. Verse 9. He gets up. He gets moving. And I love it. And uh, he goes 40 days, and it looks like he's turned the corner. Stuckness is sticky. All right? Verse 9. When he got to Horeb, it's the mountain. I got a little ring. Can you bring that back? There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. <laughs> what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? Can I just stop there for a second? Oftentimes, we can obey God in our bodies, but not our hearts. I think that even though Elijah ate the food, got up, and went 40 days to where God was taking him. His heart wasn't in it. And how many of you know God knows our hearts? Amen. He knows what's inside. You know what he didn't say to Elijah in verse 9? He didn't say, Elijah, good boy. Nice job. Way to get up and get going. Now we're back on track. Let's go. No, because he knows Elijah's heart. Elijah gets to the cave after the 40-day march. He gets to the cave, goes in there, and he's kind of in the dark. And God comes in and says, what are you doing, Elijah? What are we doing here? Why? Because I think he knew Elijah's heart wasn't, he was still stuck. 
And we see this to be true by the next words out of his mouth. God asks, what are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 10, Elijah replies, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. <laughs> you almost want to go, oh. you know, like when you read it, it's almost depressing, right? Why? Elijah's still stuck. He's still believing the lies that came out of that stupid email from, from Jezebel at the very beginning. He didn't get free. He, didn't take, he took God's provision and just dragged that lie 40 days to Mount Horeb. He gets to, 40, he gets to Mount Horeb and he's still stuck, isn't he? He's believing the lie. And oftentimes we can move physically and do things. Like I've known people in churches that have, you know, they do good things for God. They fix walls or they do this ministry of different things. But it's like, yeah, you're doing this and you're helping, but somehow it feels like you're still stuck. And, and I will tell you, as your leader, I want you to be free. And if it's the difference between doing something or not doing something but being free, I will choose freedom every time. I want you to be free. I don't want you dragging those lies around, even under the guise. And doesn't Elijah sound spiritual here? <laughs> he sounds so religious, doesn't he? You heard the tone of my voice, right? I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. <laughs> you know, okay, yeah, those other chapters were great, <laughs> you know. <sighs> but he still believed in the lie. Verse 11, the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Now, it's not going to be lost on Elijah that this sounds a lot like God and Moses back in the book of Exodus. Because Moses went through the same, uh, not the same depression thing, but Moses went through the same thing of God saying, listen, stand here in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to come by and I'm going to show you my glory. Like God is fully prepped to show Elijah everything about him right now. The very presence of God is about to come by. But can I tell you, before we read anything else, if your eyes are blinded by the lies that you're believing, you will not see God. Some of you have been in services where God is moving, and people are shaking, and they're falling down, and they're weeping, and they're all this stuff. And I'll look at the back sometimes of that congregation. People just sitting there with their arms folded. God is moving, coming by. He's literally coming by. But people have believing a lie. They get stuck, and they just can't see or experience God. It's a travesty, isn't it? We don't want to miss God, do we, you guys? The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. He's literally coming. And it says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. In other words, God begins to really show himself, right? I mean, can you imagine a wind that's literally breaking rocks apart? How many of you the other day were out there when it was really windy? Were you out there the other day? You know, it was really fun, right? But man, that was not, this is way more than that. I mean, literally, rocks are being shattered and boom, all that. And then it says, listen, but God, God wasn't there. He's doing it, but that's not how he's speaking. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
Some rocks are breaking and the ground is shaking and things are moving. Verse 12, after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Verse 13, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> I heard Bill Johnson talk about not changing the channel, you know. In other words, God has such care and love for Elijah. He provides supernatural food. He brings his angels. Twice he does this thing. Then he shows them. He shows up on the mountain and it's rocks flying around and fire and earthquake and all that stuff. But how many of you recognize the question? What are we doing here, Elijah? God didn't change the channel. I want to tell you something. If you're stuck, God's not changing the channel. You know, we may think sometimes when we get stuck that God, you know, just move on to this other thing. No, he wants you to be healthy in this thing. And oftentimes, he will keep asking you the same questions in the same areas until we begin to say no to the lie and yes to the truth. Now, I know that's not a fun thing for us to say, but I'm telling you right now, God loves you too much to change the channel. He will keep asking us the same question over and over. <laughs> comes in the still small voice, asks him the question, what are you doing here? And at this point, aren't you just begging Elijah to get unstuck? <laughs> Verse 14, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. I don't know, but I think that's probably the most depressing verse in the whole Bible right there. It's exactly the same words that he spoke before God showed up with power. It's exactly the same lie. He's got stuck in his head and he refuses to let go of it and move on to the truth. And don't you just feel God trying really hard here with Elijah? Oh, he's trying so hard. What are we doing here, Elijah? Boom, boom, boom. Crash, burn. Hey, still small voice. The whole thing. Like, I am zealous for the Lord. I, oh, man, come on. Really? Now, I'm about to tell you the, the saddest and the scariest thing that I'm going to say today. Are you ready? There are times where people will be so stuck in a lie and refuse to let go of it that they will forfeit their future. Because God loves you enough to give you a choice. He's not going to make you do something you don't want to do. He's going to, as we've seen here, he gives ample opportunity. He's trying, he's trying, he's trying. But there are people I know that have gotten stuck and they refuse to move on. And I will tell you this, it's not God's fault. It's their fault. And I know it's, it's really sad. It's scary. As we move on from here, Verse 15, the Lord says, Go back the way you came. And go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram. 
Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elijah, son of Shaphat, for Abel-Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. You see what God's doing here? He's saying, listen, two things. Number one, I still want you to do a bunch of these things. But if you look at the story of Elijah, you will find that his power and ministry take a nosedive. He still does a couple cool things, and he gets to go home in a big chariot of fire, so that's cool, right? But do you know that his dynamic ministry of being used by God takes a big fall at this point? And when God tells him to anoint these other people, especially Elisha, he's basically passing the mantle on to the next person. In other words, God wants to accomplish and will accomplish his kingdom. And whether we choose to be a part of it or not is up to us. But God is going to do his kingdom. And I don't know about you guys. He, he's not going to give up on you. I know that. He doesn't give up on us. But sometimes the lie gets so stuck in us that we don't allow God to do his thing in us. And God will say, listen, I've called you to be a prophet. Or I've called you to be an evangelist. Or I've, I've called you to be a teacher or one of these things. And, and I want you to do that. But if you stay stuck, he'll, just, he'll have to go find somebody else to do the same job. And that's what, I mean, oh, that really breaks my heart. Because I look at each and every one of you in this room, and even those that are listening and looking online, God has a plan for you. There's things he wants to accomplish in you. But you have to partner with him. You have to allow him to come and speak to you. When he says, listen, George, what are we doing here? You say, God, I don't know for sure, but I, I think i got a lie stuck in me somewhere. I think I've got some things I'm believing, and I haven't been able to let it go, and I need to let it go. <laughs> don't you love it? Verse 18, he destroys Elijah's lie in one sentence. What was Elijah's lie? I'm the last one. You might as well kill me. Everybody else has gone over to Baal. <laughs> God whispers to him and says, listen. He's still whispering, by the way. He whispers to him and says, listen, I got 7,000 more just like you. You're not alone, right? You're not alone. Stop believing the lie. But do you know that as you read through this, never at one point does it ever, Elijah, come to that recognition and move on with God. He just kind of goes through the motions, does a few things. There's a miracle or two. Then he goes away in a chariot and he's done. And what does God do? He says, Elijah, Elisha. Now, most people thought Elijah was the greatest prophet. Do you know that Elisha, if you count their miracles, twice as many with Elisha as there was with Elijah. So it's as if God is saying, listen, I want to multiply you and get you moving, Elijah, but if you're just going to choose the lie and stay stuck, I, I'm going to get Elisha to go do this thing because we got, we got kingdom to do, man. Amen. <sighs> Remember the beginning I said being stuck is dangerous? <laughs> I'm not kidding. Being stuck is really, really dangerous for you and those around you. I was in sports quite a bit when I was younger, and there's a phrase that a lot of coaches use, especially in football. And they'll talk about their players, right, and they'll say this, we left it all on the field. You, know, you ever heard that phrase before? We left it all on the field. And what does that mean? <laughs> Man, you know what? 
there, I, I was going to try my hardest all the way to the end. I wasn't going to hold back for pride and this and that or whatever. Nope. Every single ounce of energy, every single ounce of passion, every single desire was going to be, was going to be poured into this game or this thing. And I look at Elijah and I think, now here's a guy who had a lot of that stuff, but he, he kind of left it in the locker room. He didn't leave it all on the field. He didn't go after it. Being stuck to him was more important than being unstuck. And that's a choice before us today, isn't it? I want you just to close your eyes with me a second, if you would. I'm going to ask Holy Spirit to just begin to reveal some areas where you're stuck. You may know it already. You may have a sense of it already. But Lord, I just speak your revelation over people's hearts and minds right now. God, that we would have a sense, a deep sense of those areas of lies. Something I feel this morning, God is actually taking you back. He's taking a trail like you're going backwards. And the trail is back to the root of where the lie came from. For some of you, it's a conversation. Somebody said something to you. Some of you, it was a word that a, that a, I think it's a preacher actually said over you or said in a sermon and you took it. But I'm having a sense that you took it the wrong way and you've been running with that instead of asking questions about that for a long time. Some of you have had people speak over you in negative ways that have stunted your growth. Hmm. As we were wrapping up, as I was getting ready to be done with this sermon, I felt like God laid two words on me, and it was destiny and legacy. Destiny and legacy. Destiny has a lot to do with us and what God wants to do in our lives moving forward. That he has an amazing destiny for each and every one of us here. And it's not mamby-pamby. <laughs> it's not, it's not uh, religious. It's like the God on the mountain throwing rocks around with the wind and the fire and the earthquake and the gentle whisper into your soul. It's that God who's saying, listen, I'm calling you to a destiny only you can fulfill. And the other word was legacy, and that had to do with not just us, but our children and our neighbors and Gurney and Zion, Round Lake, Vernon Hills, this whole region, that there is a legacy that God wants to leave here. He wants to do something bigger and more amazing than the, anything we can imagine. And so this morning as we close, like I said, we're going to uh, we're going to pray, give you a chance to have some people pray over you. And uh, I want to do it just a little bit different today. I feel like God wants us to do it just a little bit different. Last week we, we had people line up and come through, and I, I want to do that same idea again. But this time, uh, last week we prophesied over a lot of you and spoke words into you and things we saw. Um, and I, I think we can do that again, don't get me wrong. But I do feel like I want you to come, and if there's an area of your life that's stuck, I want you to tell us. And we're just going to agree with you. Uh, again, the idea is a bolt that's rusted. 
and we squirt WD-40 on it or put oil on it, and you begin to move it, and it begins to squeak and come undone, right? And we get to loosen that thing up, and we get to move ahead, get unstuck, amen? So those of you that, that we, I've talked to you about praying and the ones that were here last week, if you want to come, the deacons and some of those prayer ministers, why don't you guys come right now? And uh, we're just going to give God a chance. And again, you don't have to do this. If you need to go, we understand it's a little past the hour. But if you want some prayer and you want someone to agree with you, and again, you don't have to go into great detail. Just say, it's in an area of relationship in my life, or it's spiritual, or it's, you know, financial or whatever. Just, you can keep it real general, but we want to pray for you. Amen? So, why don't we do, why don't you guys kind of line up here. And then if you want prayer to get unstuck, why don't you just come on over here. And uh, we're going to just allow the power and the oil of the Holy Spirit to, to get you free. Amen? Amen? So, Lord, bless your people. Bless us as we, as we hunger for more, God.